Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. Metro exists to exalt God and equip people. Here at Metro, we long to become a community that celebrates the presence of God, communicates the Word of God, demonstrates the love of God, and educates the people of God. Everything we do revolves around this core mission and vision. We are so glad you are here today to listen to this week's podcast. It is our prayer that this message encourages you and equips you to be like Christ in all aspects of your life. Enjoy today's message. We serve a God who is a God of our destiny, not just of the right now, not just of the seasons that we're in right now, but one who has already orchestrated our whole lives. We've seen God move in our church before, and church, as much as we say it, we need to believe that he's the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. I believe that God is moving amongst this church and in our cities, uh, those surrounding cities, and I believe that God is raising a testimony out of his church. Not that one day people will see that Metro is seeing or experiencing a move of God, not one day that people will see that Metro is experiencing miracles, but that they would truly believe and understand in a God who still performs them. Amen? Amen, church. So let's move into the text this morning. If we would turn with me to Genesis chapter 41, where we're going to start in verse 37. Last week, we launched our new series on the life of Joseph, uh, understanding the God of our destiny. Pastor took us through uh, the life of Joseph, reminding us of the dreamer boy that he was. We were able to walk through the many trials that Joseph faced as he journeyed through his life that God had planned for him. Ultimately understanding that although things did not play out the way he expected, what people meant for harm and came against him, God ultimately meant for his good. When we look at the life of Joseph among all the moments of his life leading up to his destiny, uh, he was given many labels. His father's favorite. He was known as a dreamer. He was once a slave, uh, known as Potiphar's favorite, and some could even say Potiphar's wife's favorite. Uh, He was also known as a prisoner, and finally, second in command over all of Egypt. And that's where I want to take our attention to first this morning, church. So if you will look with me to Genesis chapter 41, starting verse 37. And this is right after Joseph interprets uh, Pharaoh's dream, and it reads, The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. Verse 40, You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Verse 41, So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen, and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot and as his second in command, and men shouted before him, Make way, thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Joseph had many labels and identities uh, that the world tried to give him throughout his lifetime, but there's only one that ultimately stuck until the end. And, in, and it wasn't that Joseph was once his father's favorite. It wasn't that he uh, once had a dream wasn't even that he was able to interpret someone else's dream. But what we read in verse 38, uh, that Pharaoh says, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? 
It isn't that we have a dream church or our own talents or something that we're good at, but it's God in us. What we can do is not what will bring the favor of God in our lives, but it is who we are. It is who we, are, it is who we carry, and that must be the Spirit of the Lord. For it is God who makes all things known. Amen? What I want us to understand this morning is that the world and people around us will bring many labels to us and try to identify us by that. But that is not our end all. That is not who we are. Our immovable identity is only found in Jesus Christ. So this is the good part of Joseph's life where we see he's appointed and he's lifted up and everything's going well in his life. But I want us to take a couple steps back and look uh, at some of the pits that Joseph found himself in. Uh, as, we look, as we know from the beginning of Joseph's life, Joseph was given a dream and immediately he was hated by his brothers. He was hated by his family. And what did they do? They tried to kill him, but ultimately they ended up settling, just selling him as a slave. And Joseph, as we know the life, as we know Joseph and his character, we know that he's a humble, he's a faithful man. So being sold into slavery, we see his character, his response in that. And because of that, we read that God was still with him in, in, in his slavery. And he found favor because of that, because of his response. See, one thing that's interesting is that in all of Joseph's lows and all the points where he found himself in a pit, not once in the Bible is it recorded that he complained. Not once is it, does it say that he groaned. And we read that word a lot in the Bible, that people groan a lot. But not once did he groan. Not once did he cry. He didn't begin to point blame or talk down on anyone. And he had all, all the chances or he should have been able to talk down on his brothers, but he didn't even do that. He didn't even question God. But instead, being a slave, in that season, he did what he was told, and he served. And what happened? We read in Genesis 39, verses 2, that the Lord was with Joseph, and because of his response, he prospered. Could it be possible that Joseph once, who had a dream, that everyone would bow down to him, that he would be on top of the world, that that people would look to him and serve him, would now find himself in that same place, serving someone else, bowing down to someone else, his master, as a slave. What would your response be, church? He went from the height of his life with the great dream that he would be on top of the world, treated so well, just to drop to such a low pit below everyone else. And in that lowest pit, God then calls him to serve and to be a slave, are you serious? That's what my response would have been. Church, what would your response be? The interesting, the interesting thing with God is this. Sometimes he gives us a dream in a season. Sometimes we're in, in, that, in that dream and in the vision, we're reminded that he is for us, that nothing, no power of the enemy will come against us and will win and all this stuff. But then we get to this, other, this next season of life where things don't make as much sense to us. We become a slave and we have to serve and do all these things we don't want to do. But church, not because he forgot about us. Not because he doesn't love us anymore, but he wants to see our response. He wants to see what are we holding on to. How are we identifying ourselves? Are we holding on to a dream that God once gave us? Are we holding on to a job that God gave us? Are we holding on to the possessions that he gave us? Or are we holding on to the one who gave it to us? Are we holding on to the God who gives all things? So church, that's my first point. Your response will bring revelation to your destiny. 
in those pits, and not even just the, not in just the high parts of your life, but in the lows, your response will bring revelation to your destiny. So church, I need us to understand this morning that sometimes in the lowest moments of our lives is where God meets us and reminds us of who we are, not what we can do. Not only then are we lifted up, but could it be also that our responses could dictate the lives of those around us? In Genesis chapter 39, verse 3, we read, When his master saw that the Lord was with them, and the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes. See, not only did Joseph's response in his pit allow himself to be lifted up, but also his Egyptian master was able to witness and see the hand of God, was able to see the spirit of God that resided in Joseph, and that only through him was he able to receive uh, his success. Church, in those hard times in the struggle, can we allow our identity not to be in the titles that we receive from the world or the places the world has set us in, but can it be the God that we serve? Can it be God that we carry in our hearts? Not only that we would find favor in his eyes, but also people around us in our workplaces, in our schools, would be able to experience that same God, would be able to experience that same favor in their lives. Because of Joseph's obedience and his response, the Bible tells us later, the blessing of the Lord was upon everything Potiphar had. In our response of obedience to the Lord, our identity becomes true in him, and the Lord allows us to prosper and along with everyone around us. Church, your response will bring revelation to your destiny. So we see a couple more situations that Joseph finds himself in next when he's being tempted by Potiphar's wife. And we see Joseph's character does not change, but how does he respond? We know that Joseph is a faithful and loyal man. But if we look just a chapter before, his brother Judah, if we look at the comparison, eh, not so much. But being sold into slavery, Joseph was a loyal, loyal man and his being sold by his own brothers and now finding favor in his master's eyes, he could have easily gotten a big head. They could have been by his own strength, but his response was still that I must glorify God. And Joseph's response was still, how could I do such a wicked thing against my God? Yet again, we see that his response stays the same. It was not my dream that I'm here. It is not, my, it is not that I'm even my father's favorite, but it is God in me. Church, your response will, be, will bring revelation to your destiny. And because of his response, we see Joseph finds himself yet and again in another pit, but this time actually in prison. And he finds himself in, in another time of response. You can imagine the pain Joseph is feeling, the suffering, the hurt. He's been staying faithful to the Lord, but he finds himself yet again in, another prison, in a prison cell. But he stays faithful regardless, and the Lord, we read, intervenes and reminds him that I am with you. And Joseph finds favor in the prison from the prison warden, and he's put in charge of all the prisoners, leading him to his interaction with the chief cupbearer and the baker. And in his sadness, in the place that he is, he goes to point out, as we read, the sadness in the, chief, in the, in the baker and the cupbearer's life, in their hearts. And he, asks, and he asks them what's going on, and they tell him we have this dream, no one can interpret it. And what does Joseph do? He goes, okay, this is what I do. I, I interpret dreams. And so what Joseph does is he interprets their dream, and he ima you can imagine the joy Joseph is feeling. Interpreting this dream, he's thinking, 
this is my way out. I helped them, now they can help me. They can take me, bring me out of this prison cell. But what happens is that the cupbearer is then restored to his, his own title, his old position, yet Joseph still finds himself stuck in this prison. Church, when we rely on our own talents and the labels that the world gives us based on what we can do, we begin to believe that is all we are, and we will get disappointed. The cupbearer we read used Joseph, got his interpretation, he got restored, and then forgot him, leaving him ultimately in prison. But still, knowing Joseph's character, he paid no mind to it and stayed faithful because he knew. And he responded, do not in- interpretations belong to God. Not me, but God. Until two years later, when a time came, uh, when Pharaoh had a dream, and no one in the land of Egypt could tell or interpret that dream. No one understood what it meant. And uh, what happens, we read, is that Joseph... A slave boy, a prisoner, is then called out of prison. He's remembered by the one person that first forgot him, who is the cupbearer. And we read, before Joseph comes before Pharaoh and he responds and he interprets his dream, we see a response to Pharaoh. I cannot do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answers he desires. And not only did Joseph interpret Pharaoh's dream, but he gave him a whole plan of action how to take care of his land and how to take care of his people along with it. And to Pharaoh's surprise, he's probably thinking, how could a prisoner, how could this slave boys have such wisdom knowing how I should take care of my land, how I should treat my people? But we read anyway in, in, in verse 38, that in chapter 41, verse 38, we read, can we find anyone like this man? The plan seems so good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. And so Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? Church, where did all the labels that people call Joseph go? Where did all the titles go? We read it here that Pharaoh is not impressed that he once had a dream when he was 17 years old. Not impressed that he was once his dad's favorite and he soon even forgot he was a slave and a prisoner. But the one thing that Pharaoh called him out of and identified him was because he had the spirit of God in him. Nothing else mattered anymore. So your response will bring revelation to your destiny. Joseph in his journey, Joseph in his journey through his responses knew that there was a bigger destiny on his life. He knew that those momentary troubles wouldn't define him. He had all the reason because of his dream to, um, to think that he deserves more than what he had but he stayed humble and served in the seasons that he was in. He stayed close to the Lord, and ultimately, his identity not only was known by him, but also those who he came in contact with. The one in whom is the Spirit of the Lord. This is, how, this is his identity, church. What about us? I want to take this a little further. How do people identify us? And that takes me to my second point, church, and it's no fancy wordplay or any, any fancy phrase or anything, but it's just a simple question I want to ask you. Does the Spirit of the Lord reside in you? What does that even mean? And that's a great question because growing up, even me, I really didn't understand what that meant. So quick story. Uh, growing up, Pentecostal, we're all Pentecostals here, right? Uh, we have, every year we used to have these uh, Holy Spirit uh, fasting prayer meetings, right? At the end of the year, usually in December. Why in December? I guess it was a more holier month. I don't know. 
but we know this took place like a week long or so. And in those meetings, I remember uh, three things I remember always is you have someone in the meeting that is the side drum player, right? We see him getting ready. Then there's the uncles who are leading songs in worship. We see them getting their vocal cords ready. And then one last thing we hear is the pastor that about to start the meeting. He says, And once you hear that church, you know it's game on. It's time to receive the Holy Spirit. That's what it was. That's what it meant. And in those meetings, I remember uh, starting, and because this is what I taught, to clap your hands, clap hard, clap fast, and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. And I remember just clapping, clapping, and my endurance is not, not good. So like halfway through, I'm getting tired. And then you have a pastor walking around like a coach, like a hype man, like keep going, morning, keep going, keep clapping. And then you accidentally open your eyes, you make eye contact with your mom and dad, and they're looking at you like, what are you doing? And so in that moment, I'm thinking, you know what, let me keep going, let me keep going. And uh, I'm going to show them. I'm going to be the best hand clapper I'm going to be the fastest hand clapper, and I'm going to show them that I have the Holy Spirit in me, right? And then you know, like, after the first couple of meetings, you go, and, like, the uncles and aunties in the church, they start noticing you. They say, man, that, that morning right there, he's clapping so good. He's worshiping. He must be so holy. And that becomes our identity. If I just clap a little harder, if I just clap a little faster, I can show them that I have the Spirit of God in me. But how long would that last? First couple of times people begin to notice, think you're holy, think you're worshiping, that you're a good worshiper. But then we begin to believe that. We begin to buy into this, that this is who I am. This is how they're going to know me as the fastest hand clapper. But after the third or fourth time, they begin to realize he's clapping still. He's still clapping hard. He's still clapping fast. But there's nothing changing in him. There's no change in his talk. There's no change in his walk. And the way he carries himself there's essentially no fruit being produced. And that is not who the Holy Spirit is. That is not what the Holy Spirit does when he resides in you. The Hebrew word used here is ruach, translated the Spirit of God or the breath of God. And the only other time that is used here in Genesis before this is in Genesis chapter 1, when the Spirit was hovering over the earth. The ruach, the same God who created the universe, the one who dwelled before even the earth was put into motion wants to and will come and fill you up with the breath of fresh air. When the Spirit of the Lord comes to your life, church, it no longer becomes about what you can do, but about who you become. The label of being the fastest ham clapper goes out the door. The label of wanting to be the best business owner goes out the door. It doesn't matter what you've done or if you once had a dream or if you've been a slave or a prisoner or wherever you've been. Once you receive the Holy Spirit inside of you, He changes who you are, your whole being, and He brings you your true identity. So church, I want to ask you, does the Spirit of God reside in you? In Genesis 41, verse 38, we remind ourselves that Joseph was brought out of the prison because of what he could do, because of the label that he had as a dream interpreter. But he was only appointed second in command because of who he was. It is because of who he exemplified. The one in whom is the spirit of the Lord is how, is he, how he is identified. So church, does the spirit of God reside in you? The spirit of God was in him so strong that Pharaoh knew he had to be the one.
because Joseph carried the Spirit of God in him, he was considered wise and was able to do all the things that he did. His talents and works were only an overflow of the Spirit that resided in him. When you find yourself in the pits of life, when you find yourself in temptations and struggles, we no longer look to the labels the world puts on us. Not our own seals, our talents, but we look to the one who gave them to us. Does the Spirit of God reside in you, church? Church, as I close up, I want to really get something. I want us to really get something. Labels and titles that the world give us based on the way we can perform. If we can perform up to their expectations, and when we buy into that, we, when we fail to meet them, we fall because we held on to a false identity. But true identity is only found in Jesus, the one who paid the ultimate sacrifice for you and me, the one that not only died but rose again, giving us new life and freedom in him. He's not the God of only our past and our present, but he's the same forevermore. He's the God of our destiny. So church, would you stand with me all over this place? As we go into a time of worship, can we surrender our hearts? Your response will bring revelation to your destiny. Will you respond in worship right now, no matter what you're facing, church? Your response will bring revelation to your destiny. Can we lay our burdens down at the feet of Jesus? I lay all down all my labels that I have been carrying, that have been weighing me down. The labels that I thought identified me, would you remove them? Would you fill me with your spirit, God? Would you reveal to me your true identity? God, would you allow people around us to say that the spirit of God resides in us? We want to be known as this kind of people, the one who the spirit resides in. That not only in the highs of my life, but also in the pit will I be reminded who I am in you. You are the lifter of my soul. You are the lifter of the lowly. That you dwell within me and be so near that even in my pit, my response would be to glorify you. You are the God of my destiny. Let's worship in church. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If there is anything we can do to continue equipping you in your pursuit to be like Jesus, then please do not hesitate to reach out to us on our website at metrochurch.us. Also, if you found today's message to be inspiring and informative, then please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on this podcast platform or on our website. Again, thank you for joining us. We are so grateful for you. Have a great week and God bless you and your family.